Hello and welcome to Helios Blog. My name is Helios here for another reaction video. Today, Jordan Peterson talks about how to find your true love. Let's get into it. The reason she's alone is because she's difficult. Women are not accepting the bare minimum. Women fuck men they respect. All the women who say things like, I'm strong and independent, I don't need no man, like, y'all impress me. Women just gaslight each other and say what they want to hear. You know, and I've often thought that I've been fortunate in my marriage because you think, well, you, got, you get married and you live happily ever after. It's like, that's not it. Is it? You don't want that even. You know, what, what do you want? You want your partner to do just all she's going to do is sprinkle rose petals in front of you, right? And pat you on the back of the head and tell you how wonderful you are constantly, day after day. Man, you'd be so sick of that after two, well, maybe take a month. But let's say two weeks. It'd be, you'd be, because you know. She should be more on the side of who you could be than on the side of who you are. I actually disagree. Uh, I, I think your girl should think you're wonderful and think you're strong and powerful and support you on your, on your journey. And, and by that, I mean, she should not be the one that's pushing you to be great. You push yourself to be great. And she looks up at you and says, wow, what a great man. That's how it should be. Not this. I actually disagree with this. And if she's deluded enough or terrified enough to worship you in your current form, then, well, that doesn't say much for her. And it certainly isn't very helpful for you. You want someone that's going to get in the way now and then, you know? And I actually, again, I disagree. I think, I think this is bad advice. Why should she get in the way of your ambition? Why should she push on you? Why should she be masculine like that? You are the one that should push on you, not her. You work on becoming a strong, powerful, successful man, competitive, and she looks up to you and loves you and treats you like gold. What is this? And to contend with, and I've been fortunate. I actually, I no, I disagree. There's literally a Bible verse that says, "Better to live on the roof of a house than in a home with a contentious woman." Literally. So no, disagree. My marriage because I have someone to contend with. You know? Nope, nope, nope. That means she doesn't respect you. Oh, we, we have our discussions, and they're not easy. Well, but partly because we have hard problems to solve, because life is full of hard problems. I want someone who will stand up, you know, and, and have her say, even if... Okay, great. Stand up and have her say for helping you to achieve your goals and ambitions. Because what you're describing, Jordan, is more of an equal partnership. Hey, honey, I have this problem. Can you help me to solve it? Yeah, nothing is less attractive than a man that can't solve his own problems. Watch a girl dry up. Disaster advice. All right. Shitting time. Hit the like, hit the sub, hit all the notifications, drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian Altomum, and Bobby. Shout out to him. Being the most recent subscriber to my Patreon. Thank you. Buy my books at bit.ly slash Helios Books. 
Shoutouts to Curry Kid being the most recent purchaser of Strategist Guide to Seduction. Thank you. My Patreon can be found at patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Share this video. All right. Shitting is done. Let's continue. If it's not what I would say, and maybe I'm even willing at times because she's quite intuitive and a good dreamer and I'm more facile verbally. And so we have to be careful in our relationship because if I'm in a particularly ornery mood and she has something to say, I can usually slice up her arguments verbally, you know, and, and that's, that's fine as far as I'm concerned because I get to win. Well, it's stupid. It's first of all, that doesn't mean I'm right. It just means I can formulate verbal arguments slightly faster than she can, but her intuitions and her dreams are often extraordinarily accurate. And so we've learned to, to some degree, to buttress each other's arguments just on the off chance that the person that you were foolish enough to marry might know something you don't now and then about something important. You know? Yeah, no, I, I I don't think there's there's a lack of room. Again, I don't think these two things are mutually exclusive. I don't think that... A girl that supports you and that cares about you and treats you like gold, I don't think that a girl like that has nothing to say. Because that's uh, that's the implication in, in what Jordan's saying. What he's saying is girls that aren't someone to contend with don't have anything worth saying, which I actually disagree with. Uh, I think that a girl who's in her feminine and who's not stressed and who's not trying to bear the burden of male responsibility, I think that she might have more to say. Though certainly not to help you solve your problems, but not that you need a girl for that anyway. Go to men for that, right? Go to your mentor. Go to the men that you look up to and respect for that advice. All right, let's continue. No. So what do you want? Well, you want someone to contend with. Then it's an adventure. You know, and then you have someone that you love and that you respect. And that's not a bad combination for... Again, it's just because she loves you and treats you like gold doesn't mean that you don't respect her. In fact, you do respect her. Because how could you disrespect someone that treats you so well? You can't. You would respect her for doing her role in the relationship which is being feminine no i i disagree entirely with this this the idea of a contentious relationship a contentious marriage i disagree longevity of relationship and then maybe if you have someone that you love and respect and that you can communicate with then your children also love and respect her or him and then no no that's absolutely true that's absolutely true but it's not leaning on her being contentious perhaps okay perhaps i'm not understanding the word contentious let's let's see let's see cuz i'm seeing contentious as rude and argumentative but maybe i'm wrong let me see i'm i'm looking up the term contentious causing or likely to cause an argument controversial similar involving heated argument of a person given to provoking argument. Uh, no. Absolutely not. Absolutely no to a contentious woman. No, no, no. Contentious is the opposite of agreeable, which is the opposite of feminine. Contentious is masculine. Let's look let's look up the term agreeable. I'm just looking up the I'm just looking up the definition. 
agreeable, quite enjoyable and pleasurable, pleasant, willing to agree to something. Just reading the definitions, which would you prefer to marry? Person who's likely to cause an argument, a fighty person, or an agreeable person? If you're a man, imagine you work every single day struggling and fighting, trying to earn that money to support your family. Then you come home and your girl is contentious? Fighting all the time, provoking arguments? You need to do better. You're terrible. Make more money. Be stronger. That's not enough. What? No. You as the man, you push for greatness. She as the woman looks up to and respects your drive, your passion, your commitment to the family. You're working hard to support her and the children. Absolutely false. I disagree entirely with Jordan here. And that's pretty good for them because they've got some parents that they could love and respect. That's a good combination. True. You know, it, it solidifies their life. And so you want to contend with them. And you want a job that's challenging. Ah, that's why Michaela is contentious. Because she was encouraged to be contentious by her mother who's contentious. So disagreeable women... If you have a kid with her, she's going to produce a disagreeable child. Hmm. Yes, we we definitely want that in a woman. Oh, wait. And what? You want her to have a strong, independent career and be contentious? She's not going to get married then. Men don't like disagreeable women. Such terrible advice. I would say that pushes you beyond what you already are. And God only knows how much, how... Yeah, again, it's mutually exclusive. Jordan is implying that it's mutually exclusive. If she's not contentious, then she won't push you to be better. But actually, I disagree. I think if she's agreeable, she pushes you to be better. Imagine this. You're a strong man, okay? But you're not fully realized. You're in the building phase, right? You're working on your business, You have your career, you have your side business, you're working, but you're not there yet. And she treats you like gold. In your mind, you're going to be like, she sees what I'm capable of. She supports me in my journey. She believes that I can achieve this. And I want to achieve it, not only for myself, but for her and for the family. Like, why does she have to be contentious and tell you that you're not good? To do that, to push you to be better than you are. She doesn't have to. She can push you to be better than you are by being feminine. She doesn't have to be masculine and contentious. She doesn't have to be a ball buster for you to get better. All right, let's continue. Hard you need to be pushed in order to go beyond where you are. It's with our fantasy that we first meet the unknown, right? Well, look, say you're going out with a new person. It's like, what do you do? You project a fantasy on them. And then you fall in love with the fantasy. And aren't you stupid? Because you're going to find out that the match between your damn fantasy and the actual person is tenuous. At, at best. That's exactly right. That's why, that's why as men, you need to have experience with women. Because having experience allows you to know if the girl actually falls in line a little bit 
with the fantasy or that she could become that or not. Because no girl is going to come out of the box and be perfect, right? She, it's, it's like, um, I'll use Kevin Samuels. She's going to pee on the carpet. She's going to, you know, crap the bed. She's going to do bad stuff. And it's up to you to not only lead, but be patient, which is actually very hard. It's up to you to not worry about that. Okay. And to push her to be the best girl she can be for you. Without, you know, crapping all over her so she loses all her confidence and doesn't want to try even to achieve it. At best. And so Jung would call that a projection of either the anima or the anima. No, the anima is what a man projects onto a woman he finds desirable. It's like, oh, she's the perfect woman. It's like, well... Yeah, there is no... The, Roro Tomasi, there is no one, there are many, that's, it's one-itis, right? There are many ones, there are many girls that could fit what it is that you actually want. But, and this is the truth, whether she is one of these ones or not, she will still have qualities that you need to work on modifying and changing and improving. Because no girl comes out of the box perfect exactly how you want her. You have to build her into that. You have to train her into that through, and, and how? Well, you train her into that through operant conditioning, through rewarding what you like. And you don't necessarily have to punish what you don't like. You can just reward what you like. And over time, you'll get the behaviors more and more that you like. And you can even do intermittent reinforcement where... The girl gets really positive re- reactions out of you, not all the time, but off, uh, not, not, not all the time, but sometimes. And so she keeps trying to figure out exactly what it is you like because you're giving her intermittent reinforcement. Works very well, guys. Try it. Okay, let's continue. How do you know that? You've like seen her for four seconds, yeah. you know, but it grips you. And the same thing happens in the opposite direction. And it's an action of instinct. You know, it's like you fall in love with the image. And, but interestingly enough, what you do in a relationship that works is that you actually, I think that what you see, it's a rough approximation. When you project the ideal and fall in love with it, you see what could be. That's it right. could be that, but it's going to take you a hell of a lot of work. because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Like you got no shortage of flaws. And the other and the other person has no shortage of flaws and you're you're going to try to mold them. And they're gonna to try to mold you, right? And the irony is if the girl molds you into the perfect beta male, then you lose. You as a man, you need to hold on to your masculinity like it's the most important thing, because it is, right? So you need to hold on to your dreams, your ambitions, your strength, your confidence, your drive, your push for excellence, your push for greatness. You're pushed to win. You need to hold on to that for dear life because ultimately that determines your success in a relationship more than anything. Women want a man that knows what he wants and is pushing for that. The man is the train. The train is going 200 kilometers per hour. She jumps on and holds on for dear life. And if she can't hold on, well, the train is still going to go where it's going. You see the idea?
You're the train. You're the charging bull. You're the strong, confident, ambitious, powerful man. You're the man that knows what he wants and isn't afraid to go out there and take it. That's the point. All right, let's continue. The person has no shortage of flaws, and so you're bringing your flaws together, and that's going to produce a lot of friction, and you're going to have to engage in a lot of dialogue before you approach that level of perfection again, but maybe you can do it, and then you get to live happily ever after. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Well, so the unconscious meets the unknown, and it, it meets it with imagination and fantasy and dream and art. That's how you take See, you don't just go from what you don't know to fully articulated knowledge in one bloody leap. You can't do that. You have to extend pseudopods of fantasy and imagination into the unknown. That's kind of what theorizing is like, right? Even scientifically, you know, you don't know something scientifically, you generate a theory. Well, it's an imaginative representation that your unconscious is helping you generate. And so you meet the unknown with fantasy. That's what the unconscious is for. From the psychoanalytic perspective, that's what dreams do. And you can see why you dream about the future. You know, it's like, well, what's the future going to be like? Well, you have a little imaginative story going on and it's like, you don't really create it. It's sort of, you watch it unfold. You know, maybe you can tweak it here and there, but it sort of comes to you from wherever the hell things like that come from, you know, The unconscious, that's the psychoanalytic answer. It's not really much of an answer because it's more like a representation of a a place that we don't understand. But that's where creativity comes from. And I mean, some people are really creative right down to the bloody core. So in my clinical practice, I often see people who are high in openness because they're attracted to me because they watch my lectures. And you have to kind of be high in openness to like my lectures. So because, well, you do, because they go everywhere, you know, and and they're not necessarily very orderly. So anyways, lots of my clients are really high in openness and they're funny people often, especially if they're smart, because sometimes they have the most nihilistic intelligence you can imagine. It's just self-critical and nihilistic and brutally brutal, man, and smart. And so they just criticize themselves out of existence. And so often I have to just... Ah, yes, this is something... Let me give you this platitude, okay? Because th- this might help you in your life. Try this, okay? Never talk to yourself in a way you wouldn't talk to another person. Don't criticize yourself in a way that you wouldn't criticize another person. Don't negative self-talk. Because ultimately, if you negative self-talk and feel sorry for yourself, all that it does is hurt you. People around you won't care. They won't feel sorry for you. They'll just be like, oh... You know, like, I want to avoid that, you know. Don't negative self-talk. You must talk to yourself in a positive manner. And the reason is, you are your own best support, or you could be your own worst enemy. If you negative self-talk, if you constantly are, you know, tearing yourself down, you're not actually going to get the results you want because your own mind is going to pull you down from what, what it is, from, from your goal and your vision and your dreams. So keep that in mind. All right, let's continue. Try to get them to quit listening to their chattering ra- self-critical rationality and go out and create something, you know, with their massive creativity. And as long as they're doing that, they're engaged in the world and happy as hell. But as soon as that self-critical rationality comes in and shuts down the creativity, they're just... They're just like walking corpses, you know, and it's because if you're really open, like that's, you're a tree and it has some trunks and 
you know, your, your most prominent trait is the most lively trunk. And if you're a creative person and you're not engaging in a creative enterprise, you're just, you're like a tree that, that has had its vitality amputated. And so this is not trivial. This stuff is, this is deeply, deeply, deeply rooted in your biology. And those are people often who have like dream lives you just can't believe. I have one client, he has like four spectacular dreams a week. And most of the time we just spend discussing them. And I had another client who could be lucid in her dreams, which is more common among women. She could ask the damn characters what they represented and they would tell her. It was like, okay, that was pretty weird. And like a lot of the things they told her were really helpful and they were not things that she wanted to hear. She basically, one of them told her she, if she was gonna live, she'd have to go visit a slaughterhouse. And the reason for that was because she was raised as a little princess and protected from horrible mother nature until she hit puberty, in which time she turned into an evil villain, because that's how the family worked. Perfect child, evil teenager, overnight. And then, well, that was hard on her, and she wasn't prepared because she thought the world was princess world, and, you know, she couldn't go through a butcher store without having a fit. And no wonder, you know, it's... it's no wonder, but you do it. But she couldn't, so we used to go to butcher stores and that would make her cry. And that she was a vegetarian, that would make her cry and, you know, bemoan the cruelty of the world. And it's like, yeah, fair. Indeed. Sadly, the world is a cruel place. Fair enough, man. Those are bloody slabs of meat. It's like, I don't know why everyone isn't screaming when they walk through the butcher store, but you got to get used to it, man, because you can't live in the world otherwise. And so the dream character who was a gypsy told her that she had to go visit a slaughterhouse, which seemed rather impractical. And so I asked her if she could think of anything else to do. And she thought, well, why don't we go visit a funeral home and, and watch an embalming? And I thought, oh, good. That sounds like a fun. Yeah, okay. No thanks. If you're in a relationship and you only have five positive interactions to one negative interaction, then the relationship will end. It's too negative. But if you have more than 11 positive interactions to one negative interaction, then it also ends. It's and too think, positive. Well, that's pretty bloody peculiar. Why in the world would that be? Because if you're weak and she thinks you're pathetic and you're, not, you're afraid to, to speak up and, and speak your mind, then you're going to lose. Don't you want like a hundred to one positive to negative interactions? And the answer to that is, what makes you think that you want a relationship so that you can be happy? Or at least happy. How to set a foundation? Oh, well, you know, there's, there's no simple answer to that. I think that you should know someone well enough so that you know if you can negotiate with them and so that you have started to formulate a vision of your joint future that you can both look forward to with enthusiasm and confidence. And of course, that's going... Yeah, that's, that's actually good advice, Jordan. So the idea is... The idea is, you as a man, you have a goal, you have a vision, and she likes your vision and, and you know... What a great vision. What a great guy. And she supports you and loves you and treats you like gold. And, you know, but ultimately it's up to you to achieve the vision that you're, you're putting out, right? It's going to depend to some degree on your level of maturity, but that means you've considered such things as do you have a sufficient number of joint interests and are you oriented in the same direction with regards to how you're going to handle your joint careers and the possibility of children and the manner in which you're going to interact with your in-laws and you have to start 
considering your life together from the perspective of practicality and economics, I would say. So it can't just be that massive erotic attraction that's associated with love. Although I think that's extraordinarily important and you're unbelievably fortunate if you have that and you should do everything you can to maintain it. And that takes effort. That takes real effort and will. But you need to ally that with maturity and intelligence and the maturity and intelligence is okay we're going to put our lives together what's that going to look like at the level of detail how are we going to handle our finances where are we going to live what are our joint plans going to be etc et if you want to set up a household with someone then there's a lot of things that you need to get straight and you either do that by bringing your unconscious assumptions to bear on the situation and perhaps clashing where they don't match or you sit down like a conscious and aware and articulate couple and start to negotiate what your joint responsibilities are going to be and so that would be well who's responsible for the meals and when and what are you going to eat and who's going to get groceries and who's going to pay the bills and who's going to do which part of what household chores there are to do and how is that going to be laid out fair and so you should get to know the person that you're with well enough so that you can start discussing the real practical issues of life and determine whether or not you're capable of negotiating that and this is like again this is much much later in the relationship process right like a lot of guys don't have this problem because a lot of guys aren't even in relationships right so i don't know how useful this advice is i think a lot of guys need advice more on the actually getting girls part of relationships versus this because if you're the kind of man that women are attracted to, superior, strong, confident, charismatic, you know, you, you have a goal in life, you have a plan, you're working towards the plan, etc., then you already know how to organize a life and this is not such a big deal, right? So I think it's more important to work on that than to work on this, personally. This practical stuff, like super practical stuff, this is, this is the sort of thing that could be discussed in a week. The really hard thing is becoming the kind of man that women are attracted to, the kind of man that other men want to be and other and, and most women want to be with, right? That's the difficult part. You know, discussing who buys groceries and when is really not such a big deal, right? It's like, okay, um, because you, you already have the financial base, because you're the kind of man that has the financial base and so on, right? So that's that. All right. Let's end the video there. Hit the like, hit the sub, hit all the notifications, drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R. Tom M, and Bobby. Shoutouts to him. Most recent purchaser of the Strategist Guide to Seduction. Thank you. Buy my books at bit.ly slash Helios Books. Oh, uh, sorry. Bobby recently followed the Patreon and Curry Kid uh, bought the Strategist Guide to Seduction. Thank you. Shoutouts to you guys. You can f go to my Patreon at patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Share this video. And there's more. If you want to support me on the podcast, just click the description link of the podcast. Scroll down to support the show. Either link will do. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, especially if you listen to the end. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.